Welcome back to the No Problem Parenting Podcast, where we choose to deal with and overcome the challenges in our home with our kids and become the confident leaders that our kids crave us to be. Hey parents, if you have a teen or young adult that is suffering, they're just truly struggling and nothing has seemed to help, head over to drjjkelly.com and sign your kiddo up for the Get Real program. In this program, Dr. JJ is going to help your teen or young adult build awareness of their emotional experiences, build a vocabulary of emotion words to enhance awareness and competency so that they can communicate their emotions. They're going to build a framework for increasing their chances of getting what they want when they ask for something and learn how to say no. They'll build a life worth living and increase their capacity to experience joy and calm. Go to drjjkelly.com or click the link in the show notes and help your kiddo get back on track. Hey parents, I'm Jackie Finneman, host of the No Problem Parenting podcast and founder of Hello World and No Problem Parenting. I've made it my mission to help you become the confident leader your kids crave you to be. And you know, sometimes we just don't know where to turn. We don't know about the resources or the things that are available to us that are going to help us help our children and or help ourselves become that confident leader. So I created this podcast to share resources with you that you've maybe never heard of that are going to help you and your family feel better and get back on track. In today's episode, My guest is a single parent and an accomplished businessman. Our conversation today focuses on how the single dad made a decision early on in his failing marriage to be better for his children and not bitter. Among his many accomplishments, Mark and his colleague Jim founded the Imperfect Men's Club. They're middle-aged men looking to serve other middle-aged men with guidance and advice born of experience and a lifetime of taking risks, failing aggressively, getting back up, and moving forward. There's a link in the show notes for the Imperfect Men's Club podcast. And for more resources, go to noproblemparents.com, click on the resource page, or click on the contact button and schedule a call with me, and I'm going to help you find the best resource for you and your family. All right, let's get into today's episode. My special guest today is Mark Aylward. He has 35 years experience in the technical staffing space as an owner and operator. He's generated over $75 million in revenue and he built and sold two multi-million dollar companies, has hired and trained hundreds of salespeople and recruiters. And he found work for all three of his young adult children right out of high school and then helped them all start their own companies online. Mark got sole custody of his three kids, representing himself in his divorce. He is not an attorney. And most recently, he's transitioned into coaching, helping people in career transition make big decisions and help aspiring leaders become great leaders. I love all of this, Mark. We could talk about 15 different subjects today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jackie. So, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. It is going to be fun. First and foremost, as it is a parenting show, I really want to start with the single parent. It is not as common for dads to get custody, or it can be a pretty lengthy process for dads to get custody. And I'd love to hear your story about that. Yeah, it's a long story. Um, let me see if I can condense Cliff it. Notes version, <laughs> right? How do we do that? Um, yeah, it was probably one of the most contentious divorces. Uh, at least that's what my attorney kept telling me before I fired him. Um, you married her. And I said, <laughs> stop saying that, dude, or you're going to be no longer. She went through seven attorneys over the span of about seven years. Wow. And the purpose that was obvious to everyone else was she only wanted to hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, did I do anything to warrant that? I'm sure I could have done some things differently, but no, I don't think I did. And I think the fact that I got custody of my three kids and they don't speak with their mother anymore, um, having been abandoned a second time. Uh, speaks to the 
craziness of what that was all about. And I don't, I don't besmirch her. I don't uh, resent her. She gave me three beautiful children. Um, she took all my money, uh, but that's just stuff. And um, at the end, I, I found myself in the courtroom not getting what I wanted because the of the apathy of the judges. It, it was almost as if they say, we've seen so much of this. This is just another one of these deals, you know, mm-hmm. and it, I, it clicked a number of years in. And I thought, I'm going to do this myself. And I called up a friend of mine who is an attorney, but not a divorce lawyer and not in the state of Florida, but a really good attorney. And he helped me. He helped me. But I went in there on my own. And um, I looked at the judge when I walked in. This judge was the eighth judge uh, that we'd been in front of. But she was a relatively young woman. And she still cared. You could see Mm -hmm. it in her eyes. She was the only judge that actually started the proceeding by thinking or saying this is only about one thing. What's in the best interest of the children? That's it. And my kids at that point were old enough that they had come to me. My daughters in particular said, dad, we're coming in to testify. And I said, I don't want that. I don't want that. Mm. And they said, I don't care. This has to stop. And um, this is a good story, but I might start crying. <laughs> I was just going to say, this is powerful. I'm already getting, yeah. getting yeah, goosebumps. So my eldest, uh, long story short, my eldest, it's time. They're sitting outside the courtroom and it's time for her to come in. And she comes in. And a couple things happened that were kind of magical and sad. Um, she put her hand on the Bible and started to say, you know, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And she just burst out crying. Hmm. But the whole time, her mother's on the other side of the courtroom, didn't once even look at her daughter, didn't get up to come hug her, didn't even acknowledge that she was in the room. And I was watching the judge. And I looked at the judge and the judge was looking at her. And I thought to myself, I just won. Mm-hmm. I just won. You know, and, and that's what happened. And I and I walked out of there, closed the door behind me. My knees buckled. I almost mm-hmm. fell down. But that was that was seven years and millions of dollars spent on complete bullshit. You know, yeah. complete nonsense. And how the old thing, were the kiddos? At that particular time, I think Roughly. my my middle daughter was sixteen, and my eldest had just turned eighteen. So it started when they were. 10 11 12 kind of and my son was like eight um that's when it all began the the i filed she filed that in response she filed a domestic violence injunction with all five pages of made-up stuff so i couldn't see my kids for six weeks she did that three times in the course of seven years and it was um i understand you know i understand why the system is set up to protect women because i think there's too many situations where the women need to be protected right but the system doesn't acknowledge the fact that that's not always the case and what if it what if it's not you know so you can poke away at any of those areas you want jackie but it's it's there's so many stories there there's so many things that you wouldn't even believe were done um that i can now mostly laugh at you know and the kids the kids and i are just extremely close so so I, I have no regrets about that. So how did that how did that work for you then moving into uh, single parenting and being a dad and doing all the things like what was maybe the toughest thing? Everybody understands that a man and a woman can fall out of love. Everybody understands that a man can start to really hate a woman or a woman can start to hate a man. Nobody understands why the parent would also deploy tactics that traumatize the children to hurt the guy. Mm-hmm. And um so I don't know that there's the only understanding of that is that she she grew up in a very different my ex grew up in a very different family environment that I did. Her family was broken and mine was not. Uh, we weren't perfect, but we weren't broken. You know, there was a lot of love. I was loved. Um, she was not. And mm-hmm. I thought, 
you know, back, I, I you know, I can change this. I'm, I, this, I can, my, my, um, my goodness, my kindness can, can impact this because she was, she was beautiful, intelligent, worldly, interesting, funny, but inside that midlife crisis came, you know, the, the, the aging, the difficult pregnancy with my son, um, and menopause, which she didn't even want to acknowledge was going on. Those brought up all that brokenness from her childhood. And when you, when that happens and we all have hardship, right. But when that happens in midlife at some point, and it could be a health thing, it could be empty nest thing. It could be somebody died, you know, financial hardship. You have two choices. One is, and this is a phrase I've stolen, but you can be bitter or you can get better. And she didn't know how to get better. So she chose bitter. And um, again, there's a lot of information behind that. But um, I I was tasked with uh, things like, hey, dad, mom's crazy. And I'd like, well, what do you say to that? You don't pile mm-hmm. on. I, even though I had every right to pile on, I did a pretty good job of resisting that. So they always had a landing space that was soft. They weren't going to come to dad's house and he was just going to spend the whole time bashing mom. That was never going to happen. I didn't I just avoided the topic to that crazy comment. I would just say, I'm sorry that you feel that way. And then the the bubble over my head in the comic strip is like, yeah, no shit. She's out of her mind, you know? You know, and and just feeling torn too, because you you know that and, and you know that everybody has a story, right? Everybody has a story and I can appreciate that, you know, despite the, the hardship of, of your divorce and your situation that you can still say, you understand she has a story and you're, you're also making me think of, um, Rosalind Sadaka, she is the the reason that International Child Center Divorce Month exists, which is in January of every year. Um, but really, it comes down to the child should be the, at the center of the divorce. Everything should be about the child. And when it's not that if you're the parent that understands that and knows that and it's the other parent is not, it is it's excruciating. Yeah, it, I, I certainly can't say it wasn't painful, but I think like we all, like most of us do, Mark, how did you handle all of that? The distraction, the, what about work? What about your own health? What about your own well-being? It's just like, you know, God gives you what he gives you and you deal with it or you don't. And it, it just never occurred to me that the don't or can't was a, a good option. I didn't like that option. So I chose to do and then you just get done what needs to be done because, you know, we're, we can all do whatever we are capable of doing or whatever we're handed. Not all of us choose to, but you just reach down and pull up from wherever that emotion is or wherever that strength is or wherever that I haven't slept in days is or I drank too much last night because I just wanted to numb myself. You know, you have these little blips, but just not with the kids around, you know, right. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I said, we could go on all kinds of different topics. That's a big so, one. Yeah. It is a big one. So what kinds of supports did you rely on? Did you have as you uh, navigated single parenthood? My mom moved in uh, when I got sole custody and she was becoming a little bit infirm anyway. So it was it really worked out well. Uh, we lived with her for the last seven years, I think, of her life. Um, she passed a number of years back. She wasn't physically capable of doing everything that I could do, but she was certainly emotionally capable and she was a good grandma. We had a dog that everybody picked out together, Farley, who passed a couple of years ago. Um, My family's great and my friends are great, you know, and uh, 
I I don't live in an area where my family lives. I moved from the Boston area, so I didn't have. My mom was kind of nomadic after my parents got divorced in my thirties, um, so she ended up coming down to stay with us. That was really helpful. But um, yeah, I had a lot of people that I could lean on, you know, and uh, talk to. Um, and I was always um, nutrition conscious and exercise conscious, and I leaned on uh, good food and uh lots of exercise started going back to church that was helpful started praying a lot uh learned how to meditate picked up yoga you know there's a lot of free easy things out there at our fingertips that we some of us just don't i guess we don't know about them or they don't appeal to us even though we don't really know whether they would or not because we didn't try them so i just kind of scurried around and figured stuff out as best as i could you know, during all of this, you're, you were an accomplished businessman. You were, you were thriving at work and, and all of that. And then you're struggling with this family life and, and all the emotion and all the stuff that comes with that. Was there ever a time where you were embarrassed to get help or you were trying to like keep this kind of hidden, you know, uh, protect your kids from it and or other people from knowing your situation? Well, you know, both of my girls and my son to a point, because my son, before I got custody, he stayed with his mother and my girls came to live with me way before I got custody because they just said no more. And my, apparently my son told me at one point when he was about 13, I said, dude, come on over. I mean, there's nothing that can be done. Just come on over. And he said to me, literally, mommy says, if I leave, she'll kill herself. So, oh. so um, he's, they all three have an abandonment thing going on that they're working through um, in different ways. She showed up at a volley. She didn't go to any volleyball games, any practices. And then her brother came to town and she just showed up at a tournament and every parent in there knew who she was. And they're all thinking to themselves, what the hell is she doing here? She's mm -hmm. never been here before in like five years. And she's what she's wagging her tail what's she here for and my daughter was crying she was it was it was that was embarrassing but I was never I never attached myself to the embarrassment I was always like I've got nothing to do with this I was associated with this woman at one point in time but I'm not anymore she is my children's mom but I'm not going to buy into the embarrassment of that because I know who I am and I had a couple people tell me Mark everyone knows who you are you don't have to defend yourself about any of this stuff and even the people that don't know you as well, once they get to know you, they're going to go, I see what this is, right? I see what this is. So, yeah, I guess I never was embarrassed about it. And I, asking for help, even though I'm a man, has never been very difficult for me. And uh, I think it's um, probably because of what I've done for a living is uh, is basically introducing people to other people and, and negotiating on their behalf and asking for job openings and asking for permission to represent somebody and so I, maybe that's part of it. And maybe it's partly because of my dad, just the way I was raised, you know? Absolutely, man. It does sound like you have an amazing family, a circle of support. Not everybody has that. No. And so no. when you don't have uh, those kind of people in your life, doesn't mean you have to go it alone. You just need to reach out and find those people. So tell They're me a little there. bit about, yeah, about your experience with that and how you do connect people with others. I find that parent coaching, a lot of people, what's parent coach? And, and sometimes people take six to nine months to connect with me after they've heard of me, because there is sometimes that, I don't know if it's shame or embarrassment or guilt or whatever you think that I should, I'm so successful in my job. I should be able to do this. Parenting. Yeah, no, I run into that a lot because there's a lot of um, shame and anxiety and embarrassment when you're 
in a professional situation that you don't want to be in, or you get let go, or you get demoted, or you don't get promoted. There's a lot at times during one's professional career and the transitions in that career where those emotions um, show up. And so I, I got this, most of the people that come to me have seen me for a while and, and don't come until they either something happens to them that's transformative in their minds or something I say or have written hits a button that I hadn't hit yet, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like parenting. It's like recruiting and, and helping people find work. What are the most important decisions in our lives? I think if you're spiritual, then God is number one. You got family you got house, you got job, you know, that, so jobs like three or four for some people, right. it might be, might be one or two, you know? So there's a lot of emotion in what I do. And it's, it's, it's requisite of me to kind of pull that emotion out, get to what it is, call it what it is, you know, um, accept it for what it is and then start to pivot and say, okay, now what, now that we've acknowledged it and accepted it and clarified it, what do we do about it? You know? But I think I look at all the issues in my life like that. I'm a big guy with this whole thing of what happens when something bad happens? Nothing. You don't, you don't do anything. You pause, right? Mm-hmm. Don't react. And that's definitely from my father, who's an airline pilot and a fighter pilot. What, what happens, Mark, when an engine catches on fire? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You get back to the objectivity of your training and you pull the emotion out of the moment. What do I do now? Okay, now speak. Now act. You know, it's like the email that you create when you're mad at somebody and you sit on it for a day and the next day you delete it, almost never send it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Write it down, wait 24 to 48 hours and then think about it again and then respond. Yeah. That's a, that's a life changing skill for someone who doesn't have it yet. You got to give yourself time to think. You got to give yourself time to, to lower the volume on the emotion. But I, again, that's something I, I, I did that with all my kids. And, and one of the things that was really magical about the circumstances was I became a father and mother to my girls. So we talked about things that I don't think most fathers would, which was initially a little bit kind of awkward, but mm-hmm. I, I was right. I was, I, I, I went right in, you know, I brought them both to the, to the Walgreens when they, you know, first started having their periods and stuff like that and conversations about boyfriends and conversations about sex and conversations about alcohol and drugs. And not that I wouldn't have participated in those decisions, but I don't think they would have come to me about many of those things if they had a mother who was open to those discussions. So, but I also learned from my daughters um, how to become a much better listener Mm. because I can't say this is true of all women, but in my experience, most of the time, whether it's a wife or a girlfriend or a mother or a sister or a daughter, when they come to me with a complaint or an issue, they really don't want me to solve anything. They just want me to listen. And I think I knew that before, but I got really good at it when I needed to. So that was, that was kind of cool. I think the masculine energy is, is just naturally to fix and to problem solve and to get a solution and, you know, keep going. And, and so I appreciate that because it is a skill to be able to stop and listen. What do you need to hear? Yeah, that's a good one. Or, you know, do you, do you want a recommendation for me or you just want me to keep listening? You know, cause I can go either way. I'm cool either way. You know? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that you do in your work is to help people get clarity when they're feeling stuck or they're just kind of feeling like they're at a dead end. Mm-hmm. You help them find clarity and confidence, which is another reason why I wanted to have you on the show because No Problem Parenting is all about becoming the confident leader I say our kids crave us to be. And mm-hmm. so many problems 
are easily turned into no problems, handled, dealt with, overcome when we feel confident Mm -hmm. and when we feel like we know what we're doing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Most of the time when someone engages me, my services, I've become pretty good at kind of insisting that we have a conversation for about 30 minutes on my dime. And I ask you, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. And I, I say, what does that mean a lot? You know, what do you do? I'm a programmer. What does that mean? You know, what language do you program in? What, how senior are you? What do you, what do you, what solutions do you solve? What do you want to do? And I find myself, people just don't give themselves permission most of the time to say, what I know about what I can do next is only my view of what I can do next. This guy's been doing this for 35 years in multiple different geographic locations at multiple different levels of seniority across gender lines, across racial lines, across all kinds of lines, cultural lines, religious lines. None of that stuff. All that stuff's irrelevant to me. You're a human being. Let's see what you can give yourself permission to do. You want you're a project manager in the healthcare space. You don't have to just look for another job as a project manager in the healthcare space. What skills do you have? Write them down very, very specifically that could transfer to almost any other job, leadership job that were out that was out there. And what you're going to find is if you do that diligently, 80 or 90 percent of those skills you could use at almost any other job that's out there. And people just go, boom, right? It's just an epiphany when they when they don't have that. And then it's like, well, how do you find work? Well, you just send resumes to online job postings. No, that's not how you find work. Okay, so let's re it's like recalibrating how you look at life, how you look at work, how you look at working for uh, looking for work, and then all the other steps in that process. Once we give permission, and that's a process, you know, that's a that's a few hours of diligent work and a couple of weeks of them leaving me and thinking and doing some things that I give them exercises to do. Now, okay, what's your story? Who are you? Right. Mm. What do you do? And why should I spend any more time talking to you about coming to work for me? Oh, I can do I can I can talk about that. I know I, I got that. Like, no, I don't. Nothing is done without practice. Right. And what the, what I find in that exercise is they come out of that with a story that is compelling. It's concise. It's interesting. The person that they're talking to knows exactly who they're talking to and what what I want to do, what I love to do, what my interests are, what my passions are. I used to ask people in interviews when I was hiring them to come to work for me, what's the hardest thing that's ever happened to you in life? And tell me how you came out the other side. And then you just shut up and listen, because now I know how creative you are. I know how self-accountable you are. I know how interesting you are. I know how articulate you are. I know so many, so many things about you if I just shut up and listen to that response. I think a lot of the the things that you're doing to help people find either their ideal job, their ideal roles, helpful for, especially in those preteen and teen years with our kids, what kind of advice would you have for parents about how they can do sort of that same thing with their, with their kiddos? Yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, I, I think that modeling is uh, with behavior is probably the most important part of being a parent because your children are going to do what you do a lot more than they're going to say what you say. Um, they'll do both, but I find they're listening in the back seat. You know, they're listening and they're watching you. You know, and um, I also think I, I tried to treat my children with with respect from a very young age. I find I see a lot of parents. You know, goo goo gaga. Um, I was never a goo goo gaga guy. I was like, you know. Finish your plate, put your dishes in the sink, and uh, 
you talk back to me, you know where you're going to go. You'll be up in your bedroom and there's mm-hmm. no TV up there. And there's no computer up there. It was, it was clear boundaries. It wasn't dictatorial, but it was clear boundaries. It was consistency. It was routine. It was love and laughter. Um, I remember my middle daughter coming to me when she was 15 years old and she said, uh, her friend just got grounded. What's grounded, dad? Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I guess I've done a pretty good job. She doesn't even know what that word means. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I like to say the structure and the consistency, all that stuff is so great. The delivery is really important with it too. And mm-hmm. when kids just know that we mean what we say, not in a dictator, drill sergeant mm-hmm. kind of way, yeah. it's just very matter of fact. It doesn't have to be this tug of war, resistant, defensive, you know, who's going to win kind of conversation. Right. It just is. And kids do so much better when they just know the expectations yep. and they know you're not going to waver, whether that's giving in yep. or, you know, telling them to jump in how high. Well, that's the consistency piece, right? Yeah. I think it's um, all this stuff. It's so interesting listening to you talk about parenting because we have very similar parenting styles, I can tell, but it's also all of these principles apply when you're helping an adult do communicate through a process that's very important to him or her, you know, it's the same thing, but uh, yeah, the consistency was the big part. I think the, um, and the, and the closeness, I mean, I showed up, every teacher knew who I was. All the coaches knew who I was. The principal knew who I was, the guidance counselor. I engaged with all of them. And I'm like, when I do this, you're going to take care of my kid better than you're going to take care of the kid that who doesn't have parents showing up because that's human nature, whether you want to or not. And you only have so much time and space either. I'm coming in. I'm getting that time because it's my yeah. kid. You know, yeah. I was I was all oh, man. The, the amount of driving I did for 10 years was insane because yeah. they were all aspiring athletes. They were all in extracurricular activities. They were all good students. And uh, until they started driving, you know, I. I had a lot of kids in my expedition for a long time. I remember the year my son turned 15, our son turned 15, and I, you know, oh my gosh, he's going to get the permit. We're so close. I'm not going to have to go to those 6 a.m. hockey practices, and I'm not going to have to, you know, leave the house at 9.30 p.m. to pick him up from a late one because um, he's going to have his license. Yeah. And now I look back and you miss those times, those convert that those windshield conversations. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember coming home from dropping my kid off at, uh, in New York City, my middle daughter, Hannah, and um, that left me with an empty nest. But it didn't dawn on me until I walked in. I would drove back from New York, which is like 26 hours. I walked into my home and I opened up the door and I, and I looked in the house and it just flushed me. You're alone now. Mm-hmm. And I lost it. I'll never forget that day. I looked at my dog and I'm like, dude, thank God you're here. A lot of parents are not prepared for the empty nest. And uh if you're not looking, if you're not expecting it and you're not at least a little bit prepared, it'll knock you on your ass. For me, it's mindset. I grieve when you need to grieve, acknowledge it, and uh, be excited that your kids are growing and, and they want to leave the nest. Yeah. That's success. How did you set your kids up for success? I, I think that going back to treating them with respect, you know, like adults in some capacity at a young age, but but protecting their childhood, you know, not exposing them to adult things, but treating them with the respect that you would any other human being and not talking down to them, mm-hmm. setting high expectations. And like, I remember when both of my daughters, when they came home, I think they were both 15 or 16 at the time, straight A's again, you know, and, but I'd like in the comments, it would say, 
the my favorite part about your child is not their grades it's the fact that they're so kind to the other kids in the class oh Oh, man that's knock me out man knock me out um uh, and they, they came back and said, dad, I got straight A's again. You know, so-and-so got a, a BM. We were in a pretty wealthy area. So-and-so got a BMW for a straight A's. I'm like, that's great. You want to go get some, you want to go get some ice cream? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and again, the cartoon bubble above my head is I don't give a shit what anybody else got. You're my kids. You're, yeah. you, you want to expect yourself to aspire and get great grades, you know, yeah, not yeah. that I'm not, not, I'll say congratulations. You'll get a big hug and we'll go out for a nice dinner. We're not going to not acknowledge it. But right. that, you're not attaching the straight A's to a brand new car. That's irresponsible, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so things like that. Some parents pay for grades and I always say you do you. I want the kids to get good grades uh, because they want to get good grades and it's important to them to get good grades. And if they don't get good grades, it's not always because they're not trying hard, That's right. right? That's right. So yeah. there can be a heck of a lot of effort behind a C that may you know, be an easy A for another kid. Well, the other thing that um, consistency keeps coming up, but when they would go, when we had 50-50 custody and they would go to their mother's house, completely different set of rules, an absence of rules, right? And my son, because he was there alone for a number of years after my daughter's left, he was so confused. I mean, she didn't even make him go to school, you know? I would show up at uh, soccer practice the off week and the coach would come up and say, where was he last week? I'm Mm -hmm. like... I'm, I don't, did you get a phone call? I go, no, nothing. He's the best player on the team. We got, we can't do without him, you know, and he eventually stopped playing sports because of this nonsense. But when they came to my house and it was challenging for a while because they loved the routine and the discipline, but getting anything you wanted from mommy was also pretty fun when you're a kid, you know, mm-hmm. anything, anything mm-hmm. you want new clothes. You want, let's go out to eat. Let's go on a trip. You don't have to do anything. Just I'll, I'll lavish you with stuff because I can't lavish you with love. I don't know how, you know? So I think the irony of that is that they were, the the difference in those two environments were magnified. And the, all three of them eventually learned daddy's doing, what daddy's doing, it feels right. And what mommy's doing feels wrong. I think that was a part of it as well. But I think consistency just keeps coming up, Jackie. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I do too. I do too. What I love about your work and about you as as a parent is that there's just so much encouragement for people that it's find out who you are and then just live it. Like just embrace that. Well, it's it's you know it's personal accountability too. If you can teach them personal accountability, it's like you when you bump up against hardship in life or a challenge or a problem that you don't know how to solve yet, you know don't don't blame that on this on the world or someone else or something else or circumstances say what could i have done to make this happen different in a better get a better result out of this what can i do to avoid that next time what can i do to get a better result from that next time and so once you teach them personal accountability because the world we live in now everybody's just blaming everybody else right everything's somebody else's fault well, you're never going to grow up with that attitude and you're never going to be happy with that attitude. So I think personal accountability was something I really emphasized and tried to support no matter what age they were. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's super great. All right. How can people get in touch with you if you're a parent, you're in business and you're just, you're not feeling fulfilled, you're feeling like uh, there's got to be more to life out there than the way yours is going. Yeah. And, and before I do that, just real quick, the, it's it's also most of the stuff that I do. And I found this out over the years. 
it applies to any challenging problem that you have in life. And because I'm a parent, because I'm a single parent, because I have daughters and a son, I got my experiential breadth and depth is pretty wide and pretty deep. And when I help people professionally, I always help them personally. It's mm-hmm. because you can't you can't have the proper depth of conversation professionally unless you understand what's driving them personally and what's challenging them personally. So I just wanted to clarify that, what I can help with. So I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. Uh, it's it's the LinkedIn URL forward slash Aylward Mark. My, my website to sevenpillarsglobal.com, the number seven pillars, plural, global.com. Anything you need from me, we can begin the, the journey from either of those places. Mark, you are a true joy to talk to. I'm so glad that we were connected. No, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm meeting all kinds of interesting people like you. And uh, I just, I love talking about this stuff. You know, it's fun. And, and again, congratulations on your book and everything you got going on. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, we have the link in the show notes to get the books. We are pretty proud of our first two No Problem Parenting books. You can access all the links in the show notes. Find sevenpillarsglobal.com, theimperfectmensclub.com, and connect with Mark on LinkedIn as well. And as always, thanks for following, downloading, and leaving a review of the No Problem Parenting podcast. By doing so, you're helping us help more families. Digital Audio Health by... Cymatrax.